The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. It is on the line on ESPN 1067 here inside the Auburn Network Studios, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Happy Thursday, February 8th, 2024, the day after the Iron Bowl of Basketball. We've got so much to talk about today. Uh, Obviously, Auburn defeating Alabama last night. Um, Question of the day for you. Was this Auburn's best win this far? It's a quad one victory. You got back-to-back wins in the middle of a really tough stretch. And so, was this Auburn's best win of the season? Love to hear from you here on On the Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. If you're wondering about The Voice today, Jack Hudden here with you, filling in for Mr. Jacob Goins. He's got to get on the road to call some Lee Scott basketball tonight. So, uh, it'll be Jack Hudden here in the studio telling you like it is and holding nothing back here on on the line once again that number to reach us is 334-321-1390 couple of guests we're going to have on today we'll get brad law at about 2 30 of the auburn sports network we'll ask him about the basketball game last night what it means in beating alabama he also got the florida basketball game coming up this weekend we're going to mention baseball as well starting next week we'll get into a little bit of what you can expect this year for that team as well as talk a little bit about softball coming up this Friday and then Tiger Talk tonight we'll ask him about that we'll also go into a conversation in the second hour with Chris Gordy of the Lock on SEC podcast we'll talk about the Auburn Alabama game last night look around the SEC and a couple other games that went on this past week as well as preview the games coming up this weekend and then we'll talk to him a little bit about national signing day for football all that and more coming up here on on the line 334-321-1390 once again is a number to reach us love to have you be a part of the action here once again jack hudden here with you telling you like it is and holding nothing back let's start with this one last night it's an Auburn basketball win for you, and it was a game that Auburn really dominated in the post form. You got 26 from Jalen Williams and 24 from Janibra. I mean, you got 50 total points from those guys underneath, 13 rebounds between those two. You also had three steals, seven blocks between those two. I mean, this was a complete domination in the paint by the Tigers. Jalen shoots 8 of eight of 13 last night. Janai, 7 of 16. You got really efficient nights from both of those. And I think the other telling thing about this game, and obviously this was a big deal, but the free throws, the free throws in this game, 85 free throws total were put up last night. I mean, that's an astounding number for an SEC basketball game. Auburn shoots 50 of them and puts 40 in the nylon. Janai, 9 of 11 last night from the line. And Jalen, 90%, hits 9 out of 10 free throws last night. So between your postmen, you got 18 of 21 at the free throw line. Just a dominant, dominant night for Auburn. 
40 points in the paint for the Tigers compared to Alabama's 26. Auburn really owned that part of the game, and I think the other the other place where Auburn really took over the game was bench points. 31 from Auburn, you get eight from Alabama, and that is definitely a theme this year for the Tigers. You know, they're starting at coming off the bench. You've got guys who could probably start at a lot of other programs right now. you got a Chad Baker-Mazzara who would probably be a three for most teams in the SEC. You've got a KD Johnson. You've got a guy like Denver Jones, Aiden Holloway. I mean, these are guys that would get a lot of playing time at other schools. Even Chaney Johnson, who didn't have a great night last night, but we've started to see things pick up for him over the past few weeks. Dylan Cardwell has a little bit of a quiet night last night, but we You've also seen his progression this year. And so it's really been more of a matter of Auburn has used their bench this year to upset teams and and to upset – frustrate them really um, when they come off the bench and, and when they get out in front of them so 31 to 8 Auburn wins that battle and then I think the the last thing that was really telling about this game offensive rebounds now both Auburn and Alabama were kind of similar in this you had 15 offensive rebounds for Auburn and Alabama gets 14 but I think if you were watching the game those offensive rebounds came in really clutch moments so you got Auburn really going after the ball on the offensive end Chris Moore was definitely one that I thought really stepped up last night. And he's not one that is generally going to give you a whole lot um, of in terms of production. He's not really going to give you a whole lot, but four offensive rebounds last night for Chris Moore. That's four extra possessions that the Tigers get. Um, only one that was only player on the floor that had more rebounds. Nick Pringle with five offensive rebounds last night for Alabama. And um, if you heard Bruce Pearl's comments before the game, he was talking about how well. Imagine that Nick Pringle comes back out. I know there's some controversy there with Pringle playing after the suspension. And so, um, want to hear from you about this one? Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to reach us. What does this do for Auburn's season? Your biggest question of the day here is: Was this Auburn's best win so far? I mean, this is an Auburn team that you're looking elsewhere and you look at the net rankings right now, seventh in the country in net at 19-4. and four. You go over to Ken Palm, Auburn's fourth in the country right now. And I think this is a really interesting stat on, on Ken Palm that I've always looked at. But I want to look at, for a moment, there's a luck factor in this. And it essentially measuring, you know, with your production and how you do and, and, and what kind of things you do on the floor – where does the flow of the game go to where are you winning games that the numbers would say you shouldn't win or are you losing games that the numbers would say you you should be winning and Auburn is almost dead last in the country right now 343rd in luck which means they're actually having some bad luck so 19 and 4 on the season you're having bad luck that accounts for a really good Ken Palm ranking at number 4 overall in the country and this these are things that get taken into account because if you think about the the tournament, you think about Selection Sunday, you know, these are things that the committee's going to look at. They're going to take stuff like Ken Palm into account. They're going to take take your net ranking into account. Another one that's become very popular, the Torvik rankings, and you'll hear the, the Sadgerin. I mean, there's, there's all these different numbers and analytics that you can look at, and I think it really boils down to there's a, there's a little bit of an eye test that goes on, too. Um, you know, I, I think you got to play politics a little bit with this as well. Because once you get down to the tournament, it all becomes about, okay, what's your resume? Who have you beaten? And how consistently have you done it? Well, now Auburn's done it twice over the last two weeks with these, with, uh, over the last week with these quad one wins. You get one over Ole Miss. You go on the road and get one in Oxford. But then you come back home 
and you take down an Alabama team who's sixth in the country in the net rankings. And I know everybody kind of will say, oh, you know, this is not an Alabama team that's better than they really have been in a while. And I don't necessarily think that that's too far off. I think that Alabama has gotten propped up in the net rankings with a couple other losses early on to very highly ranked teams. Of course, they take on an Arizona team. You get Purdue. Um, you, you also go to Creighton. And so these this Alabama team has actually played really, really good competition on the season. They just haven't won those games. But since they have played them, they get rewarded for that. They get rewarded for at least staying in the game with them. Um, so this net ranking, you know, they, there's a little bit of a flaw in it, but I think it serves Auburn well in the fact that when people look at that net ranking, they see a seven by Auburn's name, and it, it means a lot for your tournament resume. So I think that that's one thing that Auburn uh, is definitely going to have to continue to look out yet. Going over some of these numbers, last night, uh, Auburn and the Auburn out-rebounds Alabama last night, 42-35, to 35, and of course we talked about the offensive rebounds. And I think another thing that I always love to go back to, this assist-to-turnover ratio is something that Auburn has really been out in front of everybody else they've played this year. Last night, Auburn, 15 assists and 5 turnovers. You look at the Alabama side of things, 8 assists, 15 turnovers. I mean, that is almost a complete turn on its head from those from, from the difference between those two teams. And so I think when you're looking at something like that, and especially with your point guards, Trey Donaldson with four assists, two turnovers, you get Aiden Holloway with only one assist, but no turnovers on the night. So your point guards are over that two-to-one ratio that you like to see in assists to turnover, uh, and I think that that's really something that has helped Auburn this season really be able to take care of the ball, not only that, but continue to have momentum throughout the game, because if you're not turning the ball over, you're not giving up momentum. Trey Donaldson, of course, was was terrific last night. 14 points, really started out the game well. He hit a couple of floaters, hit a couple of jumpers there early on. Uh, four of four from the free throw line, and of course, told you about the four assists. If you look elsewhere, Katie Johnson, uh, I felt like this was another guy who did not shoot the ball well. But if you look at this stat, um, that and, and I don't love, love this stat, but I think it is telling in some ways of how you affect the game. Katie Johnson leads the team in plus minus last night with plus 25 on the floor. And I think that that speaks to his defensive intensity last night. Um, and, and I think it just speaks to how he affected the game. He did have an assist. He had three steals, which led the team last night as well. So if you're looking at buying back possessions, if you're looking at playing defense and not allowing guys to get to the rim, well, Katie Johnson had a really good night last night. Um, you know, I think Auburn basketball put out a graphic that was showing him locking up a couple of uh, offensive Alabama trips. And, you know, I think it's something that when KD gets that spark in him, when he gets that, uh, I, I call it sicko mode KD, but when he gets going like that, it's really hard to stop him in the jungle. Uh, it's hard to, it's just, it's difficult to play against him, especially when the intensity's there. You know, he was locking up Mark Sears there at the end of the first half. Um, if you were watching that, Sears is, is dribbling out front, and I don't know if he ever realized that the clock was ticking down. I think he was just thinking it was another possession. You got to think that that may have been something from KD. He's on him. You can hear KD, or you can see KD barking at him the whole time. And so you wonder if just there's confusion there. There's so much stuff that some of these guys do well um, that I think you could point to and say that's not something that's going to show up in the stat sheet very much. And that's why 
I don't love plus minus, but I see its effectiveness sometimes because I think that that's going to measure those smaller things that you do in a game, or at least it's going to tell you something about that. Um, a little foul heavy last night. We told you about the disparity, and well, not the disparity, but really the the sheer amount of free throws uh, that went up last night. You had 28 total fouls on Auburn and 33 on Alabama, so so 60 free throws. Um, go up, or sorry, 60 fouls on the night. And you free throws wise, you had 50 for Auburn and 35 for Alabama. So 85 total free throws in that game. That's It's almost absurd. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I don't think I like the way that college basketball officiating is going in that way. I think that there's a little too much of, um, I think there's a little too much inconsistency in a lot of these games. I don't love the free throw heavy games. I'd much rather see um, points be earned on the floor with, with you know, shooting jumpers from mid range, uh, taking it to the basket, finishing through contact. You know, it's a contact sport, and I think that's something that kind of gets lost in this new age of basketball. In that, you know, it's all about the offensive game, and Auburn does put up ninety nine last night, but they do it with almost half of those points coming from the free throw line. And I think from a product standpoint, from really just looking over the whole um, college basketball world, I'm not sure that that's something that that I, I would be really into moving forward. I don't want to watch a game where it's just free throws going up. I mean, I want to see shots going down. I want to see guys finishing at the rim. I want to see guys going up over other guys and getting dunks to go home. Or I want to see three-point shots going in. I think that's what really sells college basketball and really sells NBA basketball to a, to a point. Um, but unfortunately, it's just not something that really gets a whole lot of airtime on the college broadcast. So we'll continue to look at that. Boy, first segment flying by here. 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. Hey, love to have you be a part of the action here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. When we come back, we're going to head to the phone lines. We'll be right back on On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Network Studios on the line. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back here on this Thursday, February 8th, 2024. Jack Hudden here in the studio to fill in for Mr. Jacob Goins, who's on the road at Lee Scott tonight. He's going to uh, be calling some Lee Scott basketball from up in the state tournament. And I'll tell you what, let's head to the phone lines where we've got Mr. Jacob Goins on the line. Jacob, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, yes, I am uh, on the road en route to to Montgomery down at the multiplex at the Crampton Bowl where uh, Lee Scott Academy girls won last night in the Final Four, so they're on to the state championship game tomorrow, and the boys trying to do the same thing tonight. Jacob, give us a quick rundown of this Lee Scott basketball team. I know there's some people in the area that maybe haven't tuned in this year to what the Warriors are doing. Tell us a little bit about the team, what they've been through this season, and uh, and, and what we're expecting in Montgomery. Well, for the girls, it's it's a team full of seniors, and you've got a bunch of girls on that on that team that have been there for three and four years, and they've battled, and, and, and both girls and boys made it to the Final Four a year ago, and both of them actually lost in the Final Four last year and I'll tell you what it was heartbreaking because I think both teams expected to get to that state championship and then for that boys team a year ago man that's a team that lost only twice before the final four so that was a really heartbreaking loss and both of these teams have been trying to get back here and for the girls 
they are undersized. I mean, just to be completely honest with you, but they've got up against some really good teams and they fought their way through and, and they were able to beat the Gators of Clark Prep last night in a thriller, man. Lots of turnovers and uh, lots of fouls, sort of like Auburn men's basketball, but overall able to pull out a victory and get to the state championship game. And then for the boys, man, it's been an injury-plagued season. I mean, they've had starters go out pretty much every week and haven't played full strength since really back in November when the season started. But teams at full strength are ready to go, and they've got the uh, Mr. 1000 score, Hayden Harper, ready to go tonight. Tip-off at, what, 4 o'clock tonight? Is that right, Jacob? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, All right, and that'll be over on Scott Academy and Valiant Cross. Yep, and that'll be over on Tiger one hundred four point five. I believe you're going to be on there. Yes, yes, Tiger Country one hundred four five, TigerCountry.net. I uh, will be on the air at three forty five at tip off set for four p.m. between the Warriors and the Warriors of Valiant Cross at least. Scott, how about that? The Warriors going to war. All right, so let's transition here. You talked about Auburn basketball as well, and and let's jump back over there because we're talking about this Iron Bowl of basketball last night. 99-81, to 81, Auburn gets the win over Alabama. Jacob, the question of the day here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back, if you didn't know, uh, was this Auburn's best win so far this season? It's a quad one win. You get back-to-back wins, uh, back-to-back quad one wins, that is. What do you think? Was this Auburn's best win of the year? I think it has to be, right? I mean, I think it has to be the best win so far because not only did you beat your rival – not only did you beat a top 20 team, not only did you get a quad one win, but you also avenged that loss from just a couple of weeks ago. And that's something that's really important in college basketball. And it's also something that doesn't, you don't get a chance to do that very often because in conference play, there's only a handful of teams that you play twice, right? I look at teams like Florida and South Carolina that are in Kentucky that are on Auburn schedule this year. You get one crack at them. Whereas Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, you get multiple chances. And if you can't get it done in the first one, it's so crucial to get it done the second time around. And that's what Auburn did last night inside of that arena. And look, Jack, Auburn fans got that uh, that double-digit win they were saying and talking about that was going to happen when, when Bama came in our house. And that's exactly what happened last night. Auburn looked really, really good. Talking to Jacob Goins here on On the Line, his his show that I'm getting to host today for him. He's headed up to Montgomery to call the Lee Scott uh, Academy basketball tonight. That'll be on Tiger Country 104.5. Uh, Jacob, so we're talking about this Auburn basketball game. Let's now transition over to what this means for the rest of the season. And I think as a lot of Auburn fans can relate to, you know, earlier this year in football, Auburn gets the win over Arkansas, and they come back home, and you're flying high, and you're thinking, okay, you're going to get New Mexico State coming in, and you're going to win that game, and then you're going to go on to the Iron Bowl, and you know, you're going to have a 7-4 and four team trying to get to their eighth win, and the recruiting class is high, and, and everything is, is hunky-dory on the plains, and then Auburn lays an egg in that New Mexico State game, and it kind of puts a damper on the rest of the season. Jacob, th- that's what I want to ask you about this Auburn basketball team. I know they really don't have anything that's going to be what could be termed as a cupcake game down the stretch, most definitely. But no. how do you avoid a letdown if you're Auburn this close to the end of the season? I'm not going to say they're not going to lose because I think that that's very, that's very plausible that Auburn drops one of these games coming down the stretch. But how do they avoid a letdown? You know, it's a good question. And luckily, the thing that we have just gone back to so many times is with so many different players on this Auburn team that can make an impact, that can have a big game, that can pull you out of a rut 
in the middle of a game, you do avoid that let down game where you just go in and just get blown out, play a horrible game, normally on the road, right? And, and then you just kind of leave that when you're like, all right, let's just move on. Let's forget about it. Let's just, you know, try to just wash that out of our memory. And I think luckily for Auburn, they're not in that position, or I guess they're not in a position to do that because they have so many options. And the team is very disciplined. They're very locked in. And I think you could see that last night. Not saying that it's not going to happen because it very well could. And I think this Saturday at Florida, you absolutely could see that happen. But there's a good chance it doesn't just because of what this team has done, the abilities that they have, and and really just the cohesion that they have as a team to pick each other up, continue to fight, and and somebody's going to have a good game. you got 10 guys that play every night. Somebody's got to play well, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the other point that, that I think – you made there is, you know, in in a game like at Florida, or maybe a, you get a Kentucky or, or a South Carolina who's red hot coming in, and maybe you drop one of these that you're that you're hoping to get. I still think that you can't, you may not have a letdown necessarily on the season just because of the the parity in college basketball. I mean, something like that is bound to happen down the stretch. But I think the biggest thing with this is that Auburn doesn't get to one of these games that they're well fa- they're going to be well favored in. You know, you're going to get uh, a home game against you're going to get a game against Missouri. You're going to get a home game against Mississippi State that you'll likely be favored for. And so I think that those are the games that Auburn has to has to win. And I think in the other games, I don't know, I don't want to say it's just icing if you can get um, if if you can get half of those, but I do think that there's that there's a little bit of parity with this. It may not be a letdown if Auburn loses one or two games, but just you don't want to see a collapse at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think we'd be fools to say that Auburn's just going to win out and win every game, and it's not going to even be close. I mean, this schedule we talked about it yesterday on the show. Like this schedule is brutal, man. The end of this stretch in this season is brutal outside of those last few games, and. And Auburn's in the midst of it right now, and there's a good chance you are going to lose. And I look at the game at Georgia uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I look at the game at Florida. I look at Kentucky coming back to Auburn. Like, those are all games that Auburn, if they don't play well, they absolutely could lose. And you start looking at SEC regular season championships, and you got to win some of those. And I was hearing you talk about, you know, some of the net rankings and, and, you know, the NCAA tournament and things like that. Like, for me personally, you know that, and my listeners know that. I'm a huge eye test guy. And, look, I don't care that the metrics say you're a top-10 team. Do you look like a top-10 team? Are you playing like a top-10 team? Are you playing like a top-four seed in the NCAA tournament? And when Auburn's at playing at their best, yeah, they absolutely are because once March hits, man, the metrics don't matter. The net rankings don't matter. Not even your special HUD rankings matter at that point, Jack. It's about it's about can you beat the team in front of you? Are you playing well enough to win a championship in college basketball? And, and Auburn's still got work to do to get to that point, but they looked good last night. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, Jacob, as well. And and by the way, the I'm I'm taking that as an official complaint for the HUD matrix, and so we'll uh, we'll be filing that with our HR department. Uh, but I wanted to touch back on this other point, which was coming up to begin the season. Do you think this is an Auburn team that, I, I guess, let, let me rephrase that. What do you think this Auburn team would need to do in order to get to that one seed line in the NCAA tournament? I think it's time to start at least talking about it. Ooh, that's a, and you know, the, the problem with that question, Jack, is 
it's not anything I think Auburn could do, even if they were to, let's say, win out. I mean, there's so many good teams above them right now. It would be tough. Not saying they can't get there, but you would almost have to win out. you got to win all the big ones for sure. You can't drop any of the smaller ones, and I put that in air quotes. So, I mean, they would, they would borderline, I think, have to win out to make that possible. I think so, too. I think there's a good argument around that. You know, I asked the question because in that Ken Palm ranking, Auburn's at number four in the country. And if you're looking at rankings just straight on like that, that puts you at that one seed line. So I think it's interesting how the computers see Auburn versus how the polls see Auburn. Um, And one of these computer models right now has Auburn as a top four team in the country. So I think it's really interesting. um, And I think we'll be able to talk about it a lot more. Jacob Goins, plug everything you got, brother. I know this is your show, but uh, go ahead and plug everything else you got. Yeah, it's weird being on this end, Devin. I know you're up against a break, so I appreciate you holding down the fort, man. Lee Scott Academy Final Four for the boys on Tiger Country 104.5. That's coming up in about an hour and a half. I'm on my way to Montgomery, so tune in after the show. Don't go anywhere. Jack's got a great show for you, but Tiger Country 104.5 will be on the air at 4 o'clock. Thanks so much, Jack. We appreciate your time. Jacob Goins from On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We need to get to a break. When we come back, we'll have Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network calling in to talk about this game last night as well as give us a few more points on what's coming up the rest of this season and in Auburn athletics. Don't go anywhere. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, back inside the Auburn Network studios here on ESPN 1067. It's on the line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Happy Thursday, everyone, on February 8th, 2024. Jack Hudden here filling in for Jacob Goins, who's got Lee Scott Academy basketball tonight. You can catch that action, as he just told you last segment, over on Tiger Country 104.5 tonight. And now we transition to another guest. We've got Mr. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network tonight. Hey, Brad, how are you? Jack, we're doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Okay, so let's dive right into this. Uh, last night, the Iron Bowl of basketball going on. Give us a little bit of insight as to what happened last night. This Auburn team gets a big, big win, 91-81, uh, 99-81 over Alabama. Um, talk to us about what you saw last night that you that you liked from Auburn. Give us your overall uh, opinion. Yeah, Jack, the short version of this is I thought the better team showed that they were the better team consistently throughout 40 minutes last night. Um, You know, uh, the things that Auburn does well, it did well. And it did those things better because we've seen these teams now play twice. I thought Auburn did the things it does better than the things Alabama did well that it does in their win. Um, I think if you put the two – on a scale, uh, the, the game last night weighs much more heavily in Auburn's favor. Um, I thought that they did a really good job of answering Alabama's run in the first half. Auburn got out to a double-digit lead. Alabama came back and tied the game. And then Auburn closed the half with a, uh, just a, a flourish. They, they closed really well. They did what they have done to numerous teams this year in the last minute. Like, they were doing this back in Brooklyn. Um, Closed the first half on a double-digit run, and then they never looked back against an Alabama team that, you know, came back from a double-digit deficit at Georgia. They've been down, but they don't 
the thing about Alabama, they don't go away. They don't seem to get rattled. They just keep coming at you, and it didn't matter. Auburn had an answer every time in the second half. So I just thought it was a a very thorough smashing of a good Alabama team uh, by a very good to great Auburn club. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, and it, it seemed like there were a lot of there were a lot of different categories here that Auburn was able to lead them in last night. You get 31 bench points for Auburn, eight for Alabama, and that's been a theme for most of the year. Can you speak a little bit to what you saw from the bench last night? Um, I know there's a lot of players on this Auburn team that you would think are they're probably starters on other SEC teams. How did the bench affect things last night? Uh, the way that, that that it's affected most of the games that we've seen, you know, all of these wins that Auburn has by double digits is, you know, those have come because that second wave is not any shorter or less uh, volatile than the first wave. Um, defensively, Katie Johnson was all over the floor. His defense led to offense. I thought his defensive stand against Mark Sears to close the first half. Uh, was sort of emblematic of the game. It, you know, Alabama didn't have a way to answer or even get a shot up against KD on the last possession of the first half. And, you know, you transition out of the second half and you see they weren't able to really punch that that whole 20 minutes of basketball. Chad Baker-Mazzara, uh, he only had six rebounds, but it seemed like he had about 16 because I think three or four trips in a row down the floor, he pulled down rebounds where he just out jumped everybody he looked like he was a foot taller than everybody on the floor because of how high he got up to get those rebounds um Aiden Holloway with a big three in the first half and the play didn't fall off at all when he was running things at the point uh Dylan Cardwell with an emphatic alley-oop at the end to punctuate things and um you know protected the rim like he always does these these guys that have played these roles all season again they were able to do that against a good team. And it's one thing to do it against teams that are going to finish in the bottom half of the league standings. It is another thing entirely to do it against a team that will finish in the top half of the league standings and and is indeed tied for the top spot in the league right now. So um, I just thought the ability to still be who you are against a good team is what stood out the most from the bench. And I think the points in the paint is the other category that I wanted to mention there with you get Jalen Williams and Janiah Broom who both just had monster nights on the scoreboard, but you also you get 13 rebounds between those two. And I think, and this is not necessarily post-specific, um, but your assist-to-turnover ratio for that entire team, 3-1 to one last night, 15-5. to five. Start, in, start there in the paint, though, with, with Jalen Williams and Janiah Broom. I think it's been a theme for most of the year, but what have you seen from their development this year? Uh, they play really well together. Like Specifically, their two-man game is excellent, and it wasn't just the pass that Janai threw to Jalen, uh, I think, in the first half for, for the dunk on that run that closed the half, but uh, Janai, over the last couple of games, probably closing in on double-digit assists total for the last two games. As, as teams focus a little more on him defensively, he has looked to get other guys the ball. He looked for Jalen last night. I thought the biggest key was Jalen's involvement early. Uh, when Jalen is aggressive early and builds confidence early in a game, look out. And he hit his first three or three out of his first four shots, and he was an intentional part of the game plan. He and Trey Donaldson driving into the lane for shots uh, or getting shots in the post. Once Auburn could drive, 
uh, with success, then you start drawing defenders, and that opens things up, backdoor passes, lobs, things like that. And um, I thought that you know, and part of the free throw numbers also go to points in the paint because the, the shots that Auburn was able to get or the fouls they were able to draw on drives to the basket, you've got to be able to do that against a team like Alabama. Use your size to, to its advantage. Alabama started a four-guard lineup. You knew right away that Auburn had a size advantage. And most of the, the gameplay, um, Auburn had a size advantage. And if, when you have it, you better take advantage of it. And they did, and they didn't relent from doing it, really, for most of the night. You know, the only time, Jack, they didn't do that was when Alabama made its run to tie the game again yeah. in the first half. I think Auburn took like five out of ten of their shot attempts were from three during that span. And it's the only like six to eight minute period of the game where Auburn's uh, three-point shot attempts were that high of a percentage of their overall shot attempts. The rest of the game, when they had their most success, they were driving and dishing or driving and finishing. We're talking with Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network as Auburn gets a big 99-81 victory over Alabama last night. All right, Brad, I want to ask you about what this does for the rest of the season uh, for this Auburn basketball squad. I don't really want to get out ahead uh, too far, but what does this game mean for Auburn going into Gainesville this weekend? Can you tell us a little bit about what you're expecting to see you know, does, does Auburn do anything differently this weekend? And it's been a place that's really hard to win down there in Gainesville. Just your thoughts on the, the trip down south. Yeah, it's crazy. Last time Auburn won there, Bill Clinton was president. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been that long. I mean, we've, we've had more opportunities to meet them and beat them in the SEC tournament than we have in Gainesville. Um, you know, come close a couple of times, but not even really, you know, there haven't been that many nail biters down there. It's just a really tough place to play in that you know, Florida and Rupp are the two places that Auburn still is trying to conquer under under Bruce Pearl. And you know, I, I, these games are so interesting because they don't rarely teams are so different, and each game is a brand new matchup. So stylistically, I don't think they're all that similar—a scout or a prep. But for the full, like, if I take a step back a little further and think outlook on the season, the win last night. It gives you a chance to still finish in the top four of the league. You're in a four-way tie right now. And I think those teams in the top four, Auburn, Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, maybe you keep Kentucky in the conversation because it's unfathomable that they could finish out of the top four with by far the most talented, just pure talent team in the league, um, it, even though they've not been consistent in conference play. So let's keep them in. I think you look at those five teams, and it's hard to see a team outside of that five finish in the top four. Florida could make a run. Georgia's kind of on the outside looking in. But I think most would agree that those five teams probably are the ones that finish in the top four. Had Auburn not won last night, then instead of, of eight and two, you're seven and three in the league, and you're two games out of first place with a tiebreaker loss to Alabama as well. So you're essentially three games out. Um, and it's a lot tougher with the daunting schedule that you have coming up. These next three games, not to take anything away from the teams that are after, but think about these next three games at Florida, home to South Carolina, home to Kentucky. That's an incredible stretch. You gotta, if you come out of that three-game stretch with, say, two wins, uh, then you're still in position to be in position, which is really what you ask for at this time of the season. 
I think it's a good point that getting the two out of the next three games is going to be something that you know Auburn can look on as a goal uh, over the course of this next week and a half and say, if we can get these two, we're going to be in position to be in position like you mentioned there. Let's, uh, let's transition away from the hardwood, Brad. We've got a couple other things going on in Auburn athletics and the Auburn Sports Network these, up, these next few weeks. Not only uh, we'll, we'll get into softball starting on Friday, but let's also talk about baseball coming up in about uh, oh, look, in about a week and a half's time here. Um, the Auburn baseball team back at it at Plainsman Park. A couple of new features and amenities there in the ballpark. Um, what do you see from this Auburn baseball program right now on the inside? What's what is the general message from uh, for for this for this season for Auburn baseball? I'm excited to see this group. Uh, I'm excited to see Joseph Gonzalez back and healthy. Forget what a complete shutdown weapon he can be on the mound. So with him anchoring a staff that has a number of other guys returning as well, like Chase Alsop is back and uh, Will Cannon is back and. Tanner Bauman and Zach Crotchfeld, you know, these guys that pitched a lot of important innings last year. They remind you a little bit of those guys like Trace Bride and Mason Barnett, and the guys who helped in Carson Skipper, guys who helped, and Blake Burkhalter as well, guys who kind of carried the last College World Series team um, in their final year. Well, they had to go through some growing pains because they were pressed into action maybe a little more than they would have otherwise been. Injuries last year to the pitching staff forced these guys to play a lot younger than maybe we expected last February. So they're a little more seasoned now, and I'm excited to see what they do. Ike Irish moves to uh, behind the plate full-time. He's going to be the catcher, and so we know what kind of year he had. He's preseason first-team selection. Bobby Pierce, Chris Stanfield back uh, in the outfield. Cooper McMurray is back on the infield. Caden Green and along with a number of talented transfers from Jack State and UAB and other places. And I just I think this is a this is a group that has the potential to be the best mix of uh, power at the plate and dynamics from the mound that we've seen under Coach Thompson. And that's saying a lot, but I just think he likes the depth both both uh, in the field and on the mound. You know, I think you're right there, Brad. It, it, there's a lot of players that you get uh, that are going to be new names for this for this Auburn fan base. You know, you get a guy like Carson Myers coming in from UAB, who who I think they're very excited about on the mound. Um, you're also going to get a, a Connor McBride from junior college, who is a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of doesn't have a whole lot of experience against this SEC level competition. Doesn't really have any. But at the same time, you see the intangibles, you see the value that uh, you're hoping he brings. So I think it's a really good point that, that Auburn's really looking forward to their pitching staff this year. Wanted to give you one, one more chance here as well. Uh, tell us about a Tiger Talk tonight. I believe you guys are going to be out at Baumhauer's again. Tell us about Tiger Talk tonight. What you guys got going on? Yeah, we're at Baumhauer's, and we hope folks will come out and see the show in person. If you don't have your dinner plans, Come by and see us. We've got some giveaways. We're going to have a good time talking softball. Mickey Dean will be there uh, close to the top of the show, and we're going to talk about opening the season with five games against some some names you know uh, with some new faces on the team that you don't know yet, but you will, in addition to Manny, uh, Matty Pinta, the, the reigning pitcher of the year in the SEC. So um, that, will, that will start the show. We'll do a little bit of softball talk, and then we'll have a lot of men's basketball talk. Stephen Pearl will be there tonight. Stephen Pearl and Florida head coach Todd Golden are awfully close, and 
this has been on the calendar really all year. It just so happened to be the the day, you know, the game before Florida or the show before the Florida game. And so uh, that'll be an interesting perspective uh, with Stephen Pearl on the show. We'll have Carter Sabera on the show in person as well. Uh, of course, newly uh, a newly scholarshiped player for the Tigers. And so between Mickey Dean, Stephen Pearl, Carter Sabera, giveaways, great food, uh, wall-to-wall TVs, plus the show itself, uh, we're we're pretty excited to be out at Baumhauer's tonight for sure. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, thank you so much for the time today here on On the Line, and we appreciate it. My pleasure, Jack. Thanks for having me, War Eagle. All right, War Eagle, that's Brad Law on the Auburn Sports Network. Going to take another break here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We'll have one more segment before we get to the top of the hour. Once again, you're listening to On the Line, 334-321-1390 is the number to reach. Just love to have you be a part of the action. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are live on On the Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. Jack Hutton here filling in for Jacob Goins. Jacob's up doing Lee Scott basketball tonight up in Montgomery, and so had to leave a little bit early to go call the boys and girls up there. They're going on tonight, so tune in over on Tiger Country 104.5 starting at 5 o'clock to hear those games tonight. If you missed it, we had an exclusive interview there in the last segment with Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network. You can check out the podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line in the search bar wherever you're going. So go check that out if you missed any of that. We'll also have Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC coming up in the second hour at 3.30. We're going to talk to him about that Auburn-Alabama game last night. A couple other games going on around the SEC as well as preview the games from this weekend. And then we're actually going to dive into a little bit of football recruiting and the lack of National Signing Day drama for football. And usually it's the National Signing Day stories around here that we really focus in on. And this year, it's the lack of story, really. Auburn had a shot with one last guy. It was Ryan Williams, who ends up signing with Alabama. Uh, and that's a guy that Auburn was was on for a long time. But there at the end, uh, it seemed like Alabama made a big push. Uh, you wonder what kind of NIL deal was, was in place with him. But uh, he does end up going to Alabama, uh, joins that class, joins Kalen DeBoer's first class at Alabama. Um, and I think it's a class that... You know, DeBoer will get a lot of will get some credit for from the media, but uh, he's going to have to prove it in the upcoming years, and I, I think that's going to be something that uh, is definitely definitely something to watch here in the upcoming years. Is does Alabama have the same moxie when they come into these homes to recruit kids? Um, and so that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to hear what Chris Gordy has to say about all of that. Talked with Brad Law in that last segment, of course, and he mentioned a couple things uh, that we wanted to dive back in on about this Auburn basketball game last night. 99-81, Auburn wins it over Alabama. A couple of the things that he mentioned. First of all, we talked about bench points uh, for this team. We talked about how good the bench has been. 31 bench points for Auburn last night. You get eight for Alabama. And so it speaks to the depth that the Tigers play with. And I think that was pretty apparent there in the first game against Alabama. Uh, Auburn was able to go inside a lot. They were able to use Jalen Williams, Jani Broom, and Dylan Cardwell in that first game. And although all three of those guys didn't have particularly good games, I think Auburn found the way to execute against Alabama's post defense there 
And I think that that showed up last night from the jump. You had Janai Broom, who I thought really came on last night. Uh, his ability to spin and get to the rim. He's got that little spin that he does on the baseline that continues to work on guys. And it, you're almost starting to see it coming now. When he gets it on the baseline and he's posting somebody up, and all of a sudden you see a spin move and he's at the rim. And so I think that's something that Janai has worked on in the offseason. Don't think we saw a lot of that last year. And then the other guy, of course, that everybody's been wanting to see come along and has been just pleading with it to take this alpha mentality is Jalen Williams. 26 points last night, six rebounds, one of them on the offensive glass. No turnovers for Jalen last night. He also had two blocks and a steal from the senior power forward. So Jalen, of course, with a big, big night last night. And that's, that's I think, something that is going to – I don't know if it's necessarily – last night you heard Jimmy Dykes uh, and Carl Ravage talking about how as Auburn goes – or as Jalen Williams goes, Auburn goes. And I'm not sure that that's exactly – Uh, the case but I do think that there's a trend there I definitely think there's something where if you're looking at Jalen and how Jalen plays um, if he's able to shoot over defenders if he's able to play fairly aggressive get a shot in the early going like Brad talked about with us a moment ago he tends to be a lot more effective during the game so I think that that was big for Auburn last night to get him going early and uh, he, boy, he was able to put up a really, really good night. We mentioned 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 8 of 13 from the field, only 1 of 3 from behind the arc, but was just really efficient on the inside. So Auburn does a really good job in the post last night. They take down Alabama 99-81. to 81. We want to hear from you. What do you think about Auburn's win last night? Was it the best win so far this season? That's our question of the day here on On the Line. When we come back, We'll keep the things. We'll keep the conversation going. We'll repeat our conversation from hour one about Auburn beating Alabama last night. A couple of same topics as we went over. Other than going to talk some recruiting news as well. Auburn basketball has a big prospect coming in from 2025, Bryson Tiller. Last night, we'll talk about him. Look around college basketball as well as talk with Chris Gordy in the second hour. Appreciate you listening to On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We'll be right back after these messages. You are on the line. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 here inside the Auburn Network Studios. Happy Thursday, everybody. February 8th, 2024. And you are on the line, the show, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. 334-321-1390 is the number to get to us. Had a really good first hour where we talked about this Auburn-Alabama game last night. Question of the day for you. Was this Auburn's best win of the season so far? 
It's a quad one win. You get back-to-back dubs for the Tigers tonight uh, or last night. We uh, we talked in the first segment to Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network, asked him about his thoughts on last night as well as the next part of the season. So if you want to hear that interview, go check out the podcast. It'll be uploaded to Spotify or wherever you get your podcast at the end of the show. Let's go to the phone lines right out of the gate here, and Terry joins us. Terry, how are you, man? Good, Jack. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. What you got for us, Terry? Um, yeah, that's Auburn's best win, but it's also their best win at home. They're going to have to win a game on the road to win me over. How long has it been since Auburn beat Florida at Florida? I believe we have to go back to 1999 for that. Wow. I believe okay, that's well, how long you go. So 25 years. <laughs> that's correct. And it's it's turning into that uh, that Auburn going down to LSU in football. And when it's turning into that kind of Baton Rouge game where – this, but the case is Auburn didn't get a lot of chances to go down to Gainesville. It's, it, it doesn't right, happen every year. year. Right. right, right. It's kind of like the Auburn Georgia Tech thing. It's in football. Auburn hadn't beat Georgia Tech in a while, but they they generally don't play them when they're very good. I I would love to have got Georgia Tech again in two thousand four when they beat them in two thousand two. Yeah. Now, Terry. So what do you? In. So what do you think then about Auburn going on the road uh, this past weekend and and taking down Ole Miss? What what were you impressed by that? Impressive, but I think Auburn's just a bad matchup for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I think they just they just match up really well, and they can do whatever they want. Let's be honest, uh, Ole Miss's record is good, but it's kind of deceivable. Yeah, uh, they they hadn't beat a lot of good teams. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, um, I think you can you can look back on Ole Miss's schedule. I mean, if you're just running down the net rankings of their opponents, I've, I've got the schedule up here. But Alabama State at 281, Eastern Washington at 111, Detroit at 361, Temple at 253. I mean, yeah, these are not you know world beating teams like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they've got a good program and a good record, but I just I just don't buy it. I just don't. I just think they're and I think they're an incredibly bad matchup for Auburn. I really do. I I thought Auburn got really pushed around in Tuscaloosa, and last night they did the pushing. Uh, And I just find it hard to believe, Jack, that a four-point loss in Tuscaloosa, Auburn home course worth 13 points. I find it a little hard to believe. I don't doubt that Neville is worth seven or eight, but not 13. Yeah, I think it's difficult to – So does that mean they're still a better team? Well, I think it's difficult to measure that um, because you know it's it's all about it's it's going to be all about momentum in a particular game. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm not sure Neville Arena is going to be worth that that many points when you're talking about that. But I, I think Auburn, you know, they play really poorly in the first half in Tuscaloosa, and in that second half, yeah, and in that second half, you see them win the second half by nine points. So it's been three halves now where Auburn has really taken control of things over this Alabama squad. I think you just had a rough first half in Tuscaloosa, Terry. Well, and you saw the, the getting to the, the, the guy at Alabama, the, the inside guy. I think Grant Nelson, if I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, Nelson. He was chirping a little bit at the, at the, at the players and some of the fans, <laughs> and you should interpret the jungle. That's asking for trouble. Yes, it is. He, uh, he, he got the step, 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 sit down chant. Uh, Terry, we got, our, we got our research crew on this, by the way. Last win in Gainesville for the Auburn Tigers, 1996. Okay, so we're flirting with 30 years. We are flirting with 30 years, my man. Got a couple more. So if Auburn doesn't get this one, uh, it, we may have to wait a few more years before we get another chance. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a little disturbing. I, I'd like to win that one. I, you know, remember, they hadn't beat them down there in football a whole lot either when they went down there and beat them. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, uh, 2007, I think, would be the last time that Auburn went to Gainesville and, and won a game. Was it 2000? I couldn't remember. Uh, it, 
actually they don't go there go down there that often and with the rescheduling it's gonna be even less than that. So I just thought that the, I just don't think Neville Arena is worth thirteen points. I'll give him I'll even give him ten. I just I don't know. Alabama's got an inside game. They they, uh, they don't have an inside game. Their guards are fantastic. Mark Sears is as good as there is in the country. But if, but you know, I just don't I just don't think they have the inside game and you saw that against Purdue, you saw it against Auburn. If you have a decent you know, post player, he can dominate Alabama. Yeah, I thought Janai Broom and Jalen Williams obviously were really good last night. Um, you know, Terry, I think something that is going to be brought up a lot down the stretch is Janai Broom, numbers-wise, is one of the best players in the country. I mean, you're looking at Ken Palm rankings and all that, you know, all the analytics stuff. is going to tell you one story. I think Auburn fans have seen a side of him before that is kind of unpalatable. You've seen him put up some wild shots. You've seen him kind of uh, be lackluster with effort sometimes. But numbers-wise, He's been really good this year. I think he's been a step up from last year, and it's been a reason why Auburn has, has been able to go on some of these runs. And, Jack, did you hear uh, uh, Kevin um, Skarbinski on Doug's show about Doug Shouse and all the fail, all the you know free throws and the fouls called 85 free throws? He yeah, I knew it was that number. Shouse because it really should be shows. <laughs> the show off, if you yeah. want to say that. <laughs> Take care. All right, that's Terry. We appreciate you calling in. On the line here, 334-321-1390. Yeah, I think it's a good point by Terry there. There's, uh, there can be a little bit of showboat, not showboat, but um, referees, officials showing off in these games. You know, you have to wonder. I mean, you had Teddy Valentine a few years back who was a guy who you, you like to – or he liked to see himself on TV. TV Teddy was what they always called him. And I think sometimes you can get caught up in the fire of whatever game that you're calling. You can get caught up in being on TV and, and, and being the center of attention with you, the officials. So I think a lot of people have issues with it. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I have a huge issue with a lot of the officiating. I think it is inconsistent. Uh, but it's a tough game to officiate in, anyways. I do think that uh, – college basketball would probably benefit from looking at do you put another official somewhere do you take one away do you maybe put a guy who's over the entire game do you put him up in the booth uh, with an ability to see things from an objective standpoint up high uh, I think there's some things that they could do I just don't know if it'll happen uh, in college basketball anytime soon 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us Jack Hudden filling in for Jacob Goins today on On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 Jacob headed up to Montgomery to call some Lee Scott Academy basketball tonight so the Warriors uh, will be in the state playoffs that'll be happening on five o'clock over at Tiger Country 104.5 so be sure to check that out tonight once again this is on the line with Jack Hutton here on this Thursday February 8 2024 let's transition we talked a little bit in that first hour to Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network and we talked about this basketball team last night I want to move into a different point here because we want to look before, and, and we'll get into this with Chris Gordy here at 3.30, but let's look a little bit around the country and see what happened elsewhere last night. And again, we're going to get Chris Gordy's take on this, but a couple of real stunners last night. Michigan, up in the Big Ten, takes down Wisconsin. Number 11, Wisconsin. Are you kidding me? 72-68, to 68, the Wolverines were only 7-15 and 15 on the season, and they go up and they beat the Badgers uh, in Michigan last night, so it was a home game win. But this is a Wisconsin team that is probably going to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, 
And they take one on the chin last night against a Michigan team that that really doesn't have many good wins to their name this year. You talk about uh, you talk about Jawan Howard and, and the program that he's built there, and and while it's been good, you know he hasn't really been able to turn the corner with the Wolverines yet. Um, but they get a huge win last night, and it's a win that I don't think anybody was really expecting. So uh, that was really interesting result to see. Wisconsin's going to be a player in the Big Ten uh, the rest of the season. So very odd to see elsewhere. Clemson takes down North Carolina, eighty to seventy six. This one was a crazy one. PJ Hall for the Tigers, twenty five points, nine rebounds. He goes to work against uh, Armando Baycott of UNC, who had twenty four and thirteen. Now, this is one that Clemson used their big three uh, to really attack that middle of that North Carolina defense, which is not something that a whole lot of teams do against North Carolina. The Tar Heels are pretty stout inside, and they're able to stop the drives, but Clemson did it. They were able to drive inside, only commit five turnovers on the night, and stayed with the Tar Heels in rebounds with 42 to uh, UNC's 43. So this was a really impressive win by Clemson. I felt like Clemson was uh, on the right side of the bubble going into this game, and I think this puts them squarely in the tournament uh, as you saw as you saw them kind of run away last night. Oklahoma and BYU. Oklahoma, boy, they really took it to the Cougars last night, eighty-two to sixty-six. Oklahoma, an unranked team, takes down BYU, number twenty-one in the country, eighty-two. To 66. Uh, that Oklahoma team, team that started out hot, then fell back a little bit, and now they're starting to pick up more momentum again. Um, Oklahoma shoots 50% last night, 35% from behind the arc, and they score 82 in a route of BYU. Elsewhere, you look at in the Mountain West, Nevada goes to Utah State. Nevada, an 18-5 and team in their own right, but a Utah State that was ranked number 22 in the country, and Nevada goes up there and beats them by 14, 77-63. So a lot of upsets going on last night. Maybe not upsets, but games that uh, you, you would – you would have the other team favored in, certainly. I guess that's the definition of an upset, so we'll stick with that. If we want to stay on the theme of the day, Jacob Goins, and uh, I know he's got some connections up there with Indiana, but the Hoosiers in the Big Ten, they go into Ohio State 76-73. They come back from 18 down Malik Renew with 26 points and 14 rebounds last night for the Hoosiers. That's a big win for Indiana, who's trying to get into the NCAA tournament and it's not a team that misses it very often. Of course, they haven't been their usual self the last few years. But it's a team that Auburn definitely wants to see do very well. Of course, you know they beat Auburn or they they lose to Auburn earlier in the year, hundred and four to seventy six. I mean, the Tigers were able to run with them in Atlanta. They were able to get out in front um, to really get in transition. I thought Auburn beat them by getting in transition and beating the Hoosiers down the floor. And so if Indiana can pick up a few of these wins here late, get some quad one wins, that was actually their first of the season uh, that they get over Ohio State last night. So if Indiana can start to find their way back into maybe the top 70 or 60 of the net rankings, they can start to vie for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And that's another win that you know could turn into a quad one win uh, if they climb high enough. So Auburn's definitely watching the Hoosiers, the Hoosiers, hard to say to see what they can do the rest of the year I think that that's going to be interesting to watch them uh, as they move on Um, 
elsewhere, you really didn't have a whole lot of other surprising things happen. Uh, you had a couple of games that went off, of course, in the SEC last night, so we'll touch on those very quickly. Ole Miss and South Carolina. The Gamecocks avoid a, avoid a, an upset over, from Ole Miss, 68-65. to Allen Flanagan with 26 points and six boards. South Carolina has been playing well this year, of course. They shoot it very well at home, and they continue to do that last night in the first half. However, second half, Gamecocks only put up 25 points at home in the second half last night. Uh, really kind of forgot how to shoot the ball at the end. Ole Miss was able to cut it down to three. And then a controversial call at the end of the game. Ole Miss coming down the floor, I think that was Matt Morrell, who gets it at about the left wing. And he goes up for three, and he kind of looked like he was shooting it on the run. And the South Carolina defender puts an arm bar in him. So I wonder if it was a foul. I don't know. I think there was a little bit of contact. I I think I'm okay with the call, actually, from last night. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be debated hotly. Elsewhere, Kentucky rolls over Vanderbilt 109-77, to that one in Nashville. Uh, that's a Vanderbilt team that just got their first win of the SEC uh, a couple days ago over Missouri, and it's a Missouri team that, unfortunately for them, boy, the losing keeps piling up for the Tigers. Now 0-9 in the SEC on the year as they fall uh, to Texas A&M a couple of nights ago on Tuesday, which uh, Jacob went over on the show a couple of days ago. But, uh, yeah, Texas A&M and Missouri um, at battle over there, 79-60. The Aggies come away with that one. And, yeah, and actually, Missouri actually moving to 0-10 in the SEC. You also had Tennessee over LSU, 88-68. to Tennessee rolling in that one as LSU tried to punch back there towards the end but uh, couldn't quite come all the way back. And then you had Mississippi State getting Georgia 75-62 to in Starkville. Uh, had 20 points for Thomason, 19 points and 12 rebounds for Tolu Smith last night. So a Mississippi State, a team that will come to Auburn here in a few weeks. So I uh, have to see what that one looks like. We need to take a break here on On the Line, 334-321-1390. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the SEC in a little bit more magnifying and we're going to look at uh, some Auburn baseball as well we're going to talk about kind of what they have upcoming this year and then stay tuned at 3 30 as we'll talk with Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast all that and more coming up on On the Line we'll be right back 334-321-1390 is a number to reach us love to have you be a part of the action you are on the line on ESPN 106.7 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Jack Hutton here filling in for Jacob Goins, who's on the road to call Lee Scott basketball tonight. So appreciate him having me on today. 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. Love to hear from you. We're talking this Auburn win over Alabama last night, 99-81. to The Tigers get a big victory over the Crimson Tide. They get their second quad one win of the season as well as their uh, well their second in a row and so a really big night last night for the Tigers they use 50 total points from Jalen Williams and Jani Broom and, and they really step on the necks of the tide early and and didn't let up I'm going to get into uh, I talked about the SEC there in the previous segment and so kind of look a little bit at the SEC standings now and of course you had a few teams in action last night that we told you about but 
Now you've got a tie for first. Now you've got Alabama still up there at eight and two, but you've also got South Carolina and Auburn now tied for first. Tennessee with two losses, and Tennessee's got what some would call, I don't know if I'd call it an easy stretch. I don't think any stretch in the SEC is easy, but it's going to be the easiest that you could hope for if you're Tennessee. You've got some games coming up where you don't really have any anybody that's in the top, eh, about the top, um, really top 50 uh, for Tennessee coming up. You've got at Texas A&M, um, which is probably going to be the hardest one out of all of these. Then you go to Arkansas. You get Vanderbilt at home at Missouri, and then you get Texas A&M coming back to Thompson Bowling Arena. So your next one, two, three, four, five games are uh, against teams that are outside, well, in Texas A&M's a, a 46 in the net, but they're outside of the top 45 in the net. You got a couple of teams like Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt that um, are going to have rec- are going to have losing records on the year. Of course, Arkansas has has turned into uh, just a, a really bad situation over there in Fayetteville. Vanderbilt at six and 16 hadn't been able to pick up much momentum other than one win in the conference, and that was over a Missouri team that, folks, I think this Missouri team could go winless in the conference this season. You look at their remaining schedule, Mississippi State at home. You go to Ole Miss, Tennessee. Then you go to Arkansas, which may be your best chance to get one. You go to Florida. You get Ole Miss at home. You get Auburn at home. And then you finish at LSU. So if the Tigers out of Missouri want to win, well, they're going to have to get something going here late. But your SEC standings as we continue down the list, Kentucky right behind those top four, South Carolina, Auburn, Alabama, and Tennessee. Wildcats are at 6-4 and four on the season. Florida behind them at 5-4. and four. Texas A&M also at that 5-4 and four mark, so one game behind that 10-game total. Ole Miss at 5-5, five and five, followed by LSU at 4-5. and five. Mississippi State and Georgia at 4-6. and six. And then bringing up the rear of the pack, Arkansas at 2-7. and seven. Vandy at 1-8. and eight. And Missouri at 0 and 10. Question of the day is Was this Auburn's best win so far this season? But I also want to present another question here of what record's going to win the SEC this season? What do you think does it? Is it a 14? Um, is it a 14 win season at 14 and 4? Is it 13 and 5? Is a team going to run the run the table here and get to 15 and 3 or even a 16 and 2 if you win out? Um, what does it look like the rest of the year? Who do you think wins the SEC? And what's their record when they do it? So I think that's an interesting conversation that we'll continue to have. And we'll try to have with Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast. We'll be talking to him coming up in about six minutes. That'll be um, on at at 3.30. We'll uh, talk about the Auburn-Alabama game last night as as well as look around at some of those games from the SEC that we told you about earlier, and then we'll preview the games this weekend, and I'll ask him a little bit about those SEC basketball standings, maybe what he thinks about who's going to win the SEC and what record does it. Uh, Some Auburn football recruiting news as we move on over in the Auburn sporting world. Not a whole lot of news necessarily, but thought this was a little interesting tidbit that you saw on Twitter today. There had been some smoke on Antonio Coleman the last few weeks. Coleman was the former Alabama commit. He was a defensive line commit that uh, flipped his commitment, and uh, that was when Jeremy Garrett was at Auburn. Well, just now Antonio Coleman gets on Twitter 
And he tweets out WDE with a couple of the eagle emojis right after it. Um, and so that was earlier today. That was actually around 1.30 p.m. earlier today. And so if you're looking into some of the things that these guys will put on social media, you know, I don't, I don't like reading into everything that they do because I do think that there's a little bit of gamesmanship by these recruits now. You know, you saw it with Ryan Williams, who uh, constantly would put out stuff on social media. I mean, he would he would do these things where he would come to he would come to games and he would he would have a big show about what he's doing and how he's doing and all that thing. So, I don't think that this is necessarily something that you immediately go, okay, good, Antonio Coleman's locked in, he's signing with Auburn. No, I don't think that's the case. I think Kalen DeBoer uh, made made a big impression on him. Um, he said Kalen DeBoer is definitely going to continue on the legacy of Alabama. And so I think that that's something that you at least have to take into account if you're Auburn. You know, this guy was committed to Alabama beforehand. And so it would seem like, you know, if Alabama comes back and is able to get him back in the fold, it would be because of his of his prior relationships with some of the staffers on Alabama. It's not going to be the exact same staff, but you're going to get some guys that had been there before. You're going to get some of the recruits that were probably in his class who are trying to get him back on board. But I think it's interesting how Antonio comes on Twitter and immediately he tweets that. And then under a tweet where um, there was an article about him visiting Alabama on junior day. He tweets the same thing. He puts out a WDE. So it would seem like this guy is at least on the surface, he's still pitching Auburn. He still wants to come to Auburn. He's an Auburn Tiger as of now. Um, so it, it's interesting to see what these guys do in the social media game. Obviously, it's become much more of a deal the last few years. Um, and with the NIL stuff, you know, this is it's a lot more about branding. How do you brand yourself um, and how do you how do you get your name out there as much as possible? And I think by playing the recruiting game, a lot of these guys are figuring out that they can get their names on a lot more people's tongues just by being a little dicey about who are they going to commit to. Um, and so, obviously, some smoke on that for a while. Be interesting to see what Antonio Coleman decides to do. And then uh, recruiting wise, also let's let's jump over now to we're kind of jumping around here, but let's jump over very quickly back to basketball as we take a look at the two four seven Auburn twenty twenty five basketball rankings. No commitments yet, but this is a twenty twenty five class that may be starting to come in to focus here for the Tigers. Last night on campus, you get Bryson Tiller from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, the overtime elite player, the number eight nationally ranked player in the country fourth small forward in the country and uh, number two overall player in the state of Georgia. He's a 6'9", 240 small forward uh, with a lot of hops, a lot of ability to get to the rim. This is a guy that Auburn loves um, and got on campus for the second time yesterday. There was a story about him earlier, and I can't remember, I cannot find who posted it, but uh, it was talking about his time and um, he kind of, you know, mentioned the jungle and the atmosphere, and uh, it seemed like, you know, really positive news for the Tigers right now. So Auburn got him on campus last night. They were able to show him a really good time, and I think that it's telling. Once again, you follow the visits. I think it's telling that it's now his second visit. It's he wanted to come back and see the environment, see the jungle in a big time game like this. You know, Bruce Pearl said it like last night. This is one of the biggest games that he's ever coached in in Auburn Arena, in Neville Arena history. And I think that that goes back to not only what it could mean for the rest of the season, but you do have more of these big-time players coming in. Auburn's no stranger to getting these five-star athletes now. You've got 
Jabari Smith on your resume now. You've got uh, an Aiden Holloway that you brought in who is a big name. And so you've already got guys. Tahad Pettiford is another guy that's going to come in next year, the point guard um, that's going to come in. That You already got these guys who are big-name five-stars who are starting to starting to advance the Auburn basketball name forward. But now you're getting into these guys who are like top 10 players. Caleb Wilson, Malik Thomas, Jasper Johnson. You go down a list with A.J. Uh, DeBonsa. And so a lot of guys in the top 10. I think this Auburn basketball recruiting class could be special for 2025. And Bryson Tiller, a guy that was in last night, could kickstart things. Have to see what he does in the coming months. Chris Gordy with the Locked On SEC podcast joining us in the next segment. We'll talk about the Auburn-Alabama game last night. We'll look around the SEC a little bit more, preview the games this weekend, as well as talk about National Signing Day uh, for football. What did he see from some of the teams that were elsewhere in the SEC? Not a lot of action for the Auburn Tigers. We'll talk about what he saw in the SEC. All that and more coming up on the other side of this break. This is On the Line, 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. We'll see you on the other side. With Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. You're on the line on ESPN 1067. Jack Hutton here inside the Auburn Network Studios filling in for Jacob Goins, who's on the road covering Lee Scott Academy basketball tonight. That'll be on Tiger Country 104.5 at 5 o'clock tonight. You can hear that locally there. And, uh, well, we've got a second here. Let's go to Chris Gordy, who joins us on the line here. Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, how's it going, man? Going good, going good. It was good to see the, uh, the Tigers get a much-needed win last night that I deemed uh, a must-win for them. And, uh, man, they showed up and showed out. Chris Gordy here talking to different hosts today. Jack Hutton here joining you uh, in place of Jacob. And so, uh, Chris, let's get into a little bit of Auburn and Alabama last night. So what did you see that you liked from Auburn last night, specifically uh, from the Tigers? Maybe something, did you feel like this was was a game past about halftime? Did you did you feel like Alabama uh, had a puncher's chance down at the end? No, I mean, they, they made that run, you know, like Auburn went on their run early, then Alabama had a run, and then Auburn had the nice run right before halftime to, to get back to extending the lead. And it just kind of felt like no matter what happened in the second half, uh, Auburn was just, they were feeling themselves. I mean, they, they shot, you know, 42% uh, from the field and just felt like, uh, you know, hitting their, all their free throws at the line. I mean, if you had told me, one, I was shocked we shot that many free throws in the game. I mean, absolute <laughs> absurdity to shoot, what it was, an 85, I think. Was yeah, it was, it was 50 was. for Auburn, 35 for Alabama. Yeah, 85 total free throws last night. Yeah, nothing like a, a Wednesday night three-hour basketball game. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it uh, – Again, you made your free throws. If you had told me beforehand that Auburn was going to go 40 or 50 at the line, I would have said, you know, well, they better win that damn game. So, no, it was, it was much needed. I mean, I know we, we had that game a couple of weeks ago where you know, Auburn lost at Alabama, and it just felt like that was one that, you know, Bama needed the whole serve. And I said yesterday that was one Auburn definitely needed to answer and win. And, and with the win now, they're still very much in the mix. Uh, whoever wins the SEC is still very much in play here. Jalen Williams and Janai Broom for Auburn last night. 26 points for Williams, 24 for Broom. They have 13 rebounds among those two. Chris, what was Auburn able to do well in the paint last night uh, that, that you think led to this led to the success down there? 
Well, obviously, I mean, they, they won the rebound, uh, you know, matchup, and so that that was big. But, yeah, Broom has been on a little bit of heater here as, as of late. I, I've really liked watching, you know, his game develop and take it to another level this year. Obviously, what was SEC Player of the Week earlier this week. And then uh, and then Jalen Williams, I think, has really stepped up. And, and you know, he's, he's had a nice uh, – having a really nice season, hitting career highs in, in just about every category. So – they, they got the they got the dudes right. I mean, and then the bench bench guys are doing their role, and um, you know, I think Bruce Pearl's done a tremendous job. And you know, you could see why when you look at the bracketology, I think what Joe Lunardi still kind of thinks this team as a as a top four seed, and you know, I think they could still improve on that depending on how they finish out the season. Yeah, your most recent bracketology actually coming out, uh, I believe today, Chris. Uh, Joe Lunardi has Alabama still on that three line. I, th- I think they actually. Believe it or not, I think they went up a spot uh, from last from last time out, and then Auburn still on that four line. But uh, yeah, you got both teams from the state of Alabama in those top four seeds. So uh, pretty amazing what this state has been able to accomplish over the last few years with Oates and Pearl at the helm of these two programs. Well, and whoever you know, when we get to the selection committee and they're uh, they're setting the, the brackets. I mean, can we find some way for these two teams to meet again in like a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight? I just think that would be uh, – I mean, come on. When we got Duke Carolina a couple of years ago in the Final Four, that was epic. Can we get a reboot of the Iron Bowl of basketball in – you know, in a big uh, postseason matchup. I mean, I couldn't imagine how uh, how many people would be buying that ticket. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, if I'm in that uh, if I'm in that selection committee room in a couple of weeks, I'm figuring out how I can make that matchup happen again. If that's anything past the round of 32, Chris, I think that you may be flirting with one of these cities getting burned down. Uh, in that case, <laughs> um, yeah, Auburn and yeah, Alabama. That would certainly ro- be cool. Get rolling, humans. Tumor's corner again. You'll you'll have to look for Harvey Updike's out there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Talking with Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast. All right, Chris, let me get your thoughts on this now. Let's transition um, outside of this game. Couple other matchups go on last night in the SEC. What else did you catch uh, that caught your eye, maybe on Tuesday and last night as you watched uh, this SEC slate? Yeah, I think uh, Tennessee putting on on LSU. This is a much improved LSU team, and um, I, you know they, they've, they're putting up a little bit more of a fight this year. Uh, in Matt McMahon, he, he's got, he's got some players now, uh, as opposed to what he had last year. He was literally just trying to piece together a team. But you know, after Tennessee loses at home to South Carolina, who's kind of been the story of the conference this year, I thought it was nice to see uh, to see Tennessee bounce back and go get a big road win at Kentucky. And then blow out LSU last night. Now they got to go uh, play at A and M and at Arkansas. I know Arkansas has been struggling, but there's there you know signs here that they may start getting a little bit more healthy. And, and if that's the case, you know Eric Musselman didn't forget how to coach overnight. Um, I still think they're a dangerous team. Uh, it can win any given night. So uh, yeah, we'll see how Tennessee responds. But I, I think they're doing a fantastic job sitting at there sitting there at a seventeen and five and seven and two in the conference and. Obviously, they're nipping right at the heels of, uh, you know, of Auburn, South Carolina, and Alabama for best record in, in the conference. So, yeah, we're starting to see the the boys, you know, kind of separate from the men. We're starting to see who is uh, who's going to be, you know, postseason contenders. But, um, you know, I, the, the team I feel most bad for is Missouri. I know they they lost to Vandy last week, and then they lose to A the other night, and they are they're literally dead last at zero and ten in the conference. So, going the wrong way there, but. Yeah, I think we've kind of separated ourselves that we see there's four kind of upper echelon teams in the SEC. And I hate to say it about Kentucky because I still think they're an uber-talented team. But, man, sitting at 6-4, and four, 
they have a lot of work to do if they want to try to get back into into the top of this uh, conference and fight for a top spot. So um, we'll see. I know they're playing a lot of freshmen there, but there's kind of this hodgepodge of teams kind of all crammed there in the middle, whether it's A&M, Florida, Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Georgia. And those are all kind of those dangerous teams. If you don't bring your A game, you can get beat on any night. Chris, let's go back to Tuesday night. South Carolina survives Boy, a scare uh, from Ole Miss. They go up by 12 there in the first half, but then only score 25 points in the second half. Was it a foul late? Do you think that was a foul when Morell's coming down the floor going up for three? I know that's been kind of a hot controversy, but what was your take on that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people debating it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I it, it, like from a South Carolina perspective, when you go through a season like this, you got to learn to win – in a bunch of different ways. You're going to win flashy. You're going to win pretty some nights or you're going to win ugly other nights. And yeah, they played a fantastic first half and that second half was, was ugly. And, uh, and Ole Miss took advantage and they, they got back in that game. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was, um, you know, I understand why, why Ole Miss fans would be upset, but uh, again, credit, credit South Carolina, man. It's, it's an unbelievable coaching job that they've been doing this year and to be a 23 overall. Uh, you know, this team was picked uh, to, to the bottom of the of the conference. So it, it really is just amazing the season that they're having. We're talking with Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast. Want to get your thoughts, Chris, on uh, these SEC standings as you were kind of going over there for a moment. But uh, let me get your take on this. So I'm, we're trying to figure out what record do you think wins the SEC this year? I know Tennessee's got what I'd call, and, and we're going to say the word easy, I don't think it's easy by any stretch in the SEC, but it's probably the easiest road the next few games. Um, what do you think wins the re- wins the SEC this year? Is it is it 16, 15? Is it down to 13? What what, what record do you think they need? Gosh, um, I don't know, man. I mean, when you got three teams sitting there at eight and two, um, man, you, you got to think you got to think 15. Um, I think 15 probably gets it done. Like everybody, everybody's got seemingly an equal amount of tough games, whether it's a, a tough opponent at home or a tough road environment. So, um, yeah, I'd say 15 maybe maybe gets it done. 14, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's there's going to be a stretch here where somebody loses a loses a game or two and uh, maybe comes back to the pack a little. But I, I don't like I'm, I even look at the Tennessee schedule. I don't think anybody's going to be able to you know, run the table or finish, you know, with one more loss down the road. So, um, man, it's it, it's going to be a heck of a fight. I, I'll tell you that the SEC has proven to be, I think, a little bit better than I think a lot of people thought at the start of the year. Um, you know, there were questions about, you know, can Chris, Pe- can Chris Beard in year one at Ole Miss, you know, make them highly competitive? They, they added to the transfer portal. Um, you know, obviously Buzz at, at A&M, he's, he's kind of had them, you know, overachieving the last couple of years, making the tournament. And, uh, you know, and I think we all expected Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky to be in the mix. But, you know, like I said, South Carolina is kind of a surprise of, of the surprise story so far. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed in Mississippi State. I thought they were going to be a little bit better with uh, having a couple of uh, season vets uh, like Tolu and, and a couple of guys back that, that were upperclassmen and kind of lead this team. I thought they'd be a little bit better, but there's no doubt. The surprise of the season so far is South Carolina, and the shocker of the season so far has been how bad Arkansas has been. And I, I heard and somebody was asking me the other day, you think, you think uh, they would fire Musselman? I'm going, in what world do you get fired when you have one bad year? Like, he has been phenomenal, taking him to Sweet 16s and everything else. Like, I just, I think we live in a world now where take a deep breath. Look, are they underachieving? Absolutely. 
Should the guy be on the hot seat and talk of being fired after one down year? Look, it's, it's disappointing, but gosh, like let's, let's cool off a little bit and appreciate how good of a coach he's been up until this year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. You know, that Arkansas team uh, welcomes Georgia in this week. It's probably an Arkansas team that's going to miss the NCAA tournament. Georgia kind of playing for their NCAA tournament life. Um, they're going to have to win a few big ones down the stretch. Chris, give me a team or – well, actually, let's do this. Give me a game this weekend that you're looking forward to in the SEC uh, that you think could be a little bit under the radar. Anything happening that um, you think would be a game that maybe needs to get some more attention on it? Yeah, let me uh, let me look up because I've been so focused on the games uh, that, that were happening this week. Yeah, yeah. So you so got you've got and, and just to kind of run down the the list for you here, you've got Auburn, Florida um, at two thirty on SEC Network, Alabama, LSU. You've got uh, Vandy, South Carolina, and then you've got Georgia, Arkansas. That game that I was talking about, Tennessee and Texas A and M. You've got uh, Mississippi State taking on Missouri, and then Gonzaga coming to coming to Rupp Arena, coming back to Kentucky. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, the Gonzaga-Kentucky one is, is big just from a standpoint of, you know, to be playing this game at this point in the season is a little odd, the middle of conference play, but um, that's a big resume uh, pumper. I mean, if, if, if Kentucky can win that one, um, you know, they get the selection Sunday, that win could go a long way. And I know maybe this isn't the most dominant Gonzaga team that, that they've had there, but they're still uber-talented. They're still a really good squad, and um, – that would be one that I think would be a nice resume win if Kentucky could, could add. Now, now what's up? Kentucky loses that one? My goodness. You're really, you know, you get back into conference play and you're really stumbling. And, and you know, you're looking at home home losses in recent weeks to Florida, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. I, I think the, the, the Boo Birds there in Lexington will be getting really after Coach Cal and say, hey, when, when are you going to retire again? We're, we're ready to move on. So that's a big one. But if we're just talking in the in the conference, I think – Alabama at LSU and Tennessee at A&M are big danger spots. And I'll put Auburn, Florida in there. Those are all danger spots where, look, everybody's going to expect Auburn to go win. Everybody's expect Alabama to go beat LSU and expect Tennessee to go win at A&M. But those are three danger spots. I'd call it right now one of those teams is pulling off the upset this weekend. Talking with Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, I got one more for you before I let you go here. Wanted to transition very quickly over to football. Uh, there was a little lack of National Signing Day drama. Usually, we were coming off of a big high from a, a Wednesday where you had some commits that you weren't expecting from some teams. You had some guys maybe flip their commitment. Not a whole lot going on yesterday. How is it different now uh, in college football, specifically in SEC football? Didn't seem like there's a whole lot of action going on yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we just need to call it what it is. I mean, calling it National Signing Day is a joke. I mean, we can call it the wrapping up of Signing Day, but uh, National Signing Day is in December now. I mean, you have teams that literally sign 99 or 100% of their recruiting class in December now. I mean, it, it, it's a joke to even call this date in February National Signing Day. So I, I still think they should change the calendar a little bit. Again, the whole idea of the December commitment was to get guys who – you know, I've been committed to school for two years. I made up my decision. I'm locked in. I'm not going to change my mind. So, you know, make me either an early enrollee or just put me in and I'm locked in. Um, signing the majority of your class in December is just, it's so tough because so many of these coaches are in the middle of bowl season. You're in the middle of talking to players and trying to retain them, preventing the transfer portal. I mean, there's so much going on. Um, I like the early signing period, but I think they need to manipulate the schedule a little bit because it's, it's just a joke. Let's just say December is National Signing Day. Why even have this date in February? 
um, you know, when you're only going to have about 10 kids signing. Uh, it was good, though, for A&M. I mean, they were able to keep Terry Bussey, who had uh, committed with them, didn't sign in December. LSU was working real hard on flipping him, but they were able to keep him. He's the number one athlete in this class. They also got uh, Ashton Bethel-Roman, who had signed with Arkansas back in December, but then uh, decommitted, got out of his national letter of intent, and he flipped to A&M. So it was a big day for Mike Elko. LSU got Dominic McKinley, who was the previous A&M committee, the five-star D lineman. That was big for Brian Kelly. And then obviously Alabama, them finally getting the uh, the signature on the dotted line for Brian Williams, who reclassified. And uh, I was just shocked when I saw Ryan Williams turn 17 uh, this week. Like it, it just shows you how how young this kid is, but how much of a superstar he can be. Uh, you know, moving forward. And some people think he'll make an immediate impact for Alabama next year. And you know, same people I talked to said they think the same thing about Cam Coleman for Auburn. And I, I just I, I get giddy thinking about we could have an Iron Bowl or, or at least Auburn-Alabama matchups for the next three years of Brian Williams versus Cam Coleman, and it gets exciting. Yeah, Chris, when I was 17, I was, you know, I was still going to uh, going downtown to get some Taco Bell, uh, get, get over there and get a quesadilla or something like that. And uh, Ryan Williams is playing big-time SEC football. So it's a little bit different for kids nowadays, but uh, it's certainly something that you know you got to go back to and look at. Chris, before we let you go, plug everything you got going on at the Locked On SEC podcast. Yeah, we got a, a great, great episodes up this week with some of our interviews from uh, Senior Bowl last week. Uh, any fans of just SEC football, I get it, you know, mostly Auburn audience. But uh, if you want to get to know some of the other guys that are leaving the SEC heading to the pros, uh, Darius Robinson, the big key lineman from the zoo, uh, Nathaniel Bookie Watson from Mississippi State, the linebacker who's just a tackling machine, and uh, a few other interviews, Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss. Got, got a chance to catch up with those guys last week at the Senior Bowl. Really, really good interviews and guys that are easy to root for. And it's funny, look at the, the Super Bowl happening this weekend and seeing on the roster. I mean, it's about two dozen SEC guys on the rosters of the two teams in the Super Bowl. It just shows you, we, we, know, we already know where the best football is played in, a, in all college football, but it just kind of uh, you know, reiterates the fact when we see all these guys from the SEC. So just check it out, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast. Chris Gordy from the Locked on SEC podcast. Appreciate the time, Chris. Absolutely, guys. Thanks. All right, that was Chris Gordy once again from the Locked On SEC podcast. 334-321-1390 is the number to reach us. Last segment coming up here on On the Line. Once again, that's 334-321-1390. We'll be right back to wrap things up on the other side of this break. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the Auburn Network Studios. Final segment here on ESPN 1067's On the Line. We appreciate you coming in today and joining us. Jack Hudden been filling in for Jacob Goins, who's on the road calling Lee Scott basketball tonight up in Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. That'll be going live at 5 o'clock at 104.5 over on Tiger Country. So, Head on over there uh, at the conclusion of our show uh, about an hour later where you can hear that. You'll also be able to hear The Drive coming back next um, on ESPN 106.7. We were talking about this Auburn-Alabama win, and, uh, boy, Auburn gets the win last night, 99-81. It's a big win for this Auburn team as they continue to uh, move throughout this season. I think it does wonders for them in the net rankings. I think it does a lot for them in their NCAA tournament seeding. And I think the biggest thing for this team is that it really helps them maintain that alpha mentality that I think this team does 
uh, or, or uses when they're playing their best. You had Jalen Williams, who really played well last night. Janai Broom was a monster inside. Chad Baker Mazzara with 13 points last night. Katie Johnson had uh, some really good defensive stands and just some off-the-ball things that he did well that I thought you don't see every single game from Auburn. And so uh, I think it's interesting that Auburn has got this alpha attitude. Uh, they, they seem to be back at it from that standpoint. And so, you know, you got to hope that they keep that going into a big game in Gainesville this weekend as they take on the Florida Gators. Um, once again, just about out of time here on On the Line. We appreciate all our callers today. We had Brad Law in the first segment, and then we talked to Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast. And so really appreciate all our guests today. Appreciate Mr. Jacob Goins for having me on in his place today. Hope you enjoyed everything here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Tomorrow it'll be Jacob back in the studio, and I believe Uncle T-Bone will be with him. Of course, you can check out the podcast for the show. If you missed anything today, go to Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. We'll be up at the end of this show. Boy, I've enjoyed it. Jack Hutton, been in place of Jacob Goins today and uh, enjoyed taking all your calls, enjoyed hearing everything that you had to say today. Be sure to join him tomorrow on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. The Drive coming up next. Talk to you later.